Hey y'all, welcome to Ollie and All, and I am your host, Alina Fee. Welcome back to a brand new episode with Elena and myself. This week, we are joined by a very special guest, the incredible Makambe Samamba joins us, and we have a really good talk surrounding art and playwright and uh, the creative process for for her. It's um, super insightful, so I'm very, very excited for y'all to listen to that. Um... As I say at the top of every episode, thank you so much for those that continue to share and post and rate and subscribe and all of those things. Uh, <laughs> does not get lost on me, honestly. And uh, with with every episode that comes out, I feel the love and I feel the appreciation. And I never want people to think that I'm not privy to that. So thank you so much for everybody that is doing their part. It truly rests in my heart. And um, I know I speak for Elena as well um, when I say that. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But without any further ado, please welcome Ollie and Lena with special guest Makambe to the show. Everyone falls mm. in love sometimes. Sometimes it's wrong, sometimes it's right For every win, someone must fail There comes a point when, when we exhale Yeah, yeah, sing with me Sing, shoo, 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 shoo. Oh, come on, Whitney and Baby Face. Yes. Love that song. Love. Do you know what? I was actually thinking of Baby Face too, but you know what song of Baby Face that. I was thinking of. Oh, let me guess. Mm. Oh my gosh, guess, guess, guess. Okay. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> okay. 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 Gu- I have three guesses, okay? Okay. Okay. First guess, when your body gets weak? Nope. Okay. Uh, second guess, whip appeal? Nope. He's a feature. Oh, is this a feature? Mm, kind of a feature. Kind of Ooh. a feature. Is, is, it's, is a, it... it's a duet. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> ooh, ooh. Mm. what's your last guess what's your last guess oh low let me think here okay a duet featuring babyface um oh why can't i think of any like uh tony braxton how could an angel break my heart oh my gosh so close oh what is it it is Tony Braxton, oh! <laughs> but it was, God knows I'm never meant to hurt you. Hey. Mm-hmm. Hey. I never meant to break your heart. Your heart oh. Lord knows I never oh. meant to turn you on and turn you out. <laughs> oh, I love. Never meant to take it that far. 
Back in your ears, um, top of every show. How are you doing? Um, I am okay in this moment. I am good. Mm-hmm. Dare I say it? <laughs> knock on wood. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> How are you? I am. Um, <clears throat> I am. Um, I am, uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I know that didn't sound convincing, but I was. It didn't at all. No. <laughs> you know, the concerned. only reason that didn't sound as convincing is because I was low key upset with myself. I feel like I started out shoop shoop on um, in the wrong key. Oh, you know, yeah, no, I know how that could make. Yeah, you feel. so now it's festering <laughs> my head. I still, I'm like, oh, I should have taken it up a step, or you know, but it's yeah, all right. It's all it right. Happens. It all worked out. It happens for the most part. Yeah. Right. Um. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's so interesting because we're doing this, obviously, like every week we reconnect and we talk and it seems like every week there is just a wave of news that is coming out surrounding blackness and black lives and, mm-hmm. um, you know. We're really popular right now. Yes, we're very popular <laughs> for reasons that we don't want to be popular. For the reasons that we don't want to be, yes. Right? <laughs> And I just, you know, I know later in the show, we're going to chat with Makambe, who's Mm -hmm. amazing. Um, But, you know, I don't know. Listen, a few things going on this week, which I just, I couldn't not talk about. Go ahead. So have you heard about these stories in Toronto that are happening um, where nooses were found in construction sites? In Toronto. In Toronto. Let me tell you. I didn't hear about Let that. Let me tell you. What? Yeah. So on in four different construction sites, um, four nooses were found. And um, wow. in one specific site, the nooses were found where two black, for, two black workers, sorry, were stationed. And then um, in another, the, the nooses were found in, um, it's, it was a closed construction site. So it wasn't even accessible mm-hmm. to the public. So hmm. my point to even bringing this up and, and talking about this is that every week you and I do this, um, timelines, news, attention is slowly shifting away from Black lives. And we need to continue mm-hmm. to remember that we are still, and our first episode, we talked about racism in Canada and people are like, oh, it's not that bad here. Like the noose is categorically the most obvious and blatant symbol of yeah. anti-blackness. Yeah. And this is happening in our yeah. own backyard here. It's such a violent display of racism. It's absolutely. It is. And it's directly tied to the very thing and the very system that mm-hmm. we're generationally trying to break. Yeah. And so it's heinous and disgusting and gross. And I'm mad. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm just I'm frustrated because this these are the very things that we're up against still. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. You know, I think obviously like there's been a lot of great attention being put on black lives and black content and black writers. And that's amazing. But we still have a lot of work to do people, you know, like, like, I can't keep like, I just want to like, imagine going through like being so anti-black that you Mm. go through this step-by-step process of going to some hardware store, buying rope, Mm. tying it into googling how to tie it and into like a if i was gonna say because i'm like the average person doesn't just know no. how to tie like no i don't but you don't know you don't so i don't right just really that's a lot of energy a, to right? put into something so negative and hateful yeah and then and I, i'm like what did we what did, what did we, we do? do to y'all what, what did, did we, we do? do to y'all why are you so mad yeah. why are you so mad yeah and that's just it i think that's the and you know that's just it what did we do and why are you so mad because mm-hmm. it is just yeah as you said it's just it's it's so incredibly violent and yeah. to think of even like the you know now you like even the whoever did this the racists that did this having to jump like spaces that aren't even accessible you know so mm-hmm. like that's like that's a lot of effort is what I'm trying to say that went into this. See what I was thinking was that if it was not accessible to the public it may have been someone oh. that does have access to that space which makes things a little bit worse a because A little bit you're not wrong holy I didn't yeah. I might have to even go there you're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah that's just it's a possibility I yeah, don't know. Absolutely. But... Yeah. And it's like even like this week alone we were dealing all over the news with on top of this it was like Dealing with white people drawing guns on black people for peacefully protesting. Yeah. Like, fucking crazy. Like, you know? I can't even, like, I, it's, I, I'm having such a hard time wrapping my head around that because I'm like, you, you are with the one woman, it's like her finger was on the trigger. Yes. She was ready. The trigger. She was ready to fucking shoot. And that's, again, the very thing that we're protesting about exactly and it's like what what mindset do you have to be in to literally pull a gun finger on the trigger on people that are literally not even they're not you're not being attacked no you're not being attacked they're just there and you're like what is that that it's it's there's something there's something wrong with y'all really though (laughs) like it's It's... you're not okay (laughs) because that's that is not normal behavior for a human being no I Absolutely just can't, not. Like, we talk a lot about this, and I know it's like it's it's it's, it's like to some degree, it's like I know I shouldn't be surprised, um, mm. but I am surprised, I guess, because I think as a as a human and as a person um, who tries to walk through this world and through this life, um, trying to lead with a lot of love, it's like wild to me that somebody could hate us so much, like mm-hmm. just so much, and it, you know, it's just it's it's because like when I hate something, like okay, for instance, I hate eggs mm. so what i do is not go to the grocery store and throw all of the egg cartons on the ground Th- there you go stomp on them but what there i you do go. instead is stay away from stay the away eggs. from them and guess what, what i do instead is see them and then be like you know what i'm not gonna do buy those that's and i it. continue on with my life that's to it. the sausages to the bacon that's to whatever it. else okay that's it. when there's so eggs I'm... at the breakfast table i don't see you looking to the side I'm, being like ew i cannot believe not. you 
are eating eggs. That is disgusting. <laughs> I literally just am like, oh, eggs? No, thank you. No, thank that's you. it. That's, that's it. what we're asking for, really. If you that's don't like... like us, just leave us alone. Mm-hmm. Like, then mind your business. Mind your business. Mind your I business. mean, we're out here trying to survive and thrive and in the wake of everything that is happening in the world right now. I know it, as it's like, as I said, timelines and whatnot feel like they're going back to normal. Believe mm. me, this life is not normal right now for us. It's not. So, it's really not. Yeah, I just urge people to continue to engage in this and continue, you know, to 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 speak up against these injustices mm-hmm. and and yeah, like it's. I keep saying this. I feel like it's weird because I'm saying it almost at the top of every episode. But I mean, it's just like, it's just <laughs> yeah. like I it can't stress it enough. It has you to know? be said. Yeah, it's got to be said because whoo, mm. we are so far from. Done. Now, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we're going to touch on this. I don't want to spend too much time on this because, um, as I said, I really want to get to the um, uh, Makambe conversation. Mm -hmm. But so this week, um, I had an interesting week. And um, I know I talked to you about this earlier in the week, but um, I was um, forced to have a very bizarre conversation with someone yes <laughs> and I, this is and this is going to okay. echo the sentiment that i said before when i say we are not done we yeah. are so far from done because an individual came up to me my black self mm. to my face um somebody that i thought i trusted mind you mm. um said to me god questioning basically george floyd's death let me tell you this actually the the question the 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 conversation started out with how do you feel about the protests that are going on right now i'm sorry that that's how the conversation started that's how is is the sky blue like (laughs) Like, what do you, what do you mean? How do I think? Like, like so I, so, sorry, I just need to, no, go ahead. Okay. Just hear me. Okay. So a, a white individual, you got it, came up, you got to it, your black self mm-hmm. and asked you mm-hmm. how you feel about the protests. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, as soon as that happened, Lena, I was like, this is not going to end well. Yeah. Like, I was like, this is, uh, honestly. Listen, like, <laughs> if you could just, if this was yeah. a, a TV show. Just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, and this is where this, you fucked up. Yeah, this yeah, is not Yeah, because, wow. Well, mm. um, so, first thing I did was provided a link to the podcast. Oh. Yep. Love I said, it, oh, I actually it. talk about it in my podcast. So, um, you know, please <laughs> You would listen. like to know. Here you yep. go. Here's the link. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's also very interesting because, and we and I, we touched on this obviously in a conversation off the mic, but about how engaging with um, certain types of people can be very challenging because um, asking me that and then and needing, asking that question, but using it, as a ways to get your agenda out is what's very frustrating. So we weren't even having a conversation. You just said uh, this other individual just wanted to get their opinion and viewpoint out there, which basically is, I'm going to try to like sum this up, but it was like, you know, um, it's ridiculous that it's trickled down to Canada because that is not our problem. 
Okay. Yeah, that was one thing. Another thing we we um, touched on privilege. Said individuals touched on privilege, and privilege oh, is God. not a real thing because what privilege is not a real thing. And simply, these people just need to learn to work harder. <gasps> yes, I'm not kidding you, and I say this to my face. They need so... to learn to work harder, and and like I'm not privileged. I just worked hard. Um, so my... when mm-hmm. you slapped the shit out of the person <laughs> was it like did did you have your own bail money yeah. or <laughs> you, know, it's, it's like, you know when you see jail that's literally what i was thinking I'm like i would be just right there in the peripheral just in behind you know? the bars yeah yeah behind like, the bars yeah i even said i'll check myself in you know like i'll <laughs> 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 Because I'm sitting there being like, this is this is absolutely absurd. Like this is ridiculous. Yeah, that that's a crazy you know, conversation to have. Absolutely. And, start. To, and, 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 and that's the thing. Another point to make is like it wasn't even a conversation. It was a it was an opportunity, as I said, to to for this other individual to just to 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 to, to talk. And and I guess you know. <sighs> and what's sad too, it's like you're telling this to me cannot imagine what your conversations are like with your friends or your mm-hmm. family or whatever it may be. And that I think that's when I like we know that this is very real what's happening right now. But this like what what we're facing right now is again like this is happening around us all the time. And these are the th- I, I remember mm-hmm. in that moment, because let me let me go back. Sorry. The last thing that really was the, the there were so many things by the way. Oh, another thing. You're gonna love this. Oh God. Ooh, um <laughs> You know, all of this conversation is about the police killing black people. But when you look at the statistics, black on black crime oh God. is higher. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. Are we gonna are we gonna we yeah. get into that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Go, I, ahead. Go ahead. It's okay, 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 okay. So first of all, st- statistically, mm-hmm. um, Black people in general are not hired to protect other people Thank in you. general unless they are police officers, which go. are hired to protect other people. So when we compare the amount of death caused by police and the amount of death caused by civilians, yes, it is very much a false equivalency. Doesn't make sense. People think it makes sense. It does not make sense at all. Mm-mm. Because that's like saying, do you know how many people die when they're cut open by a random person? And mm. how many people die cut open by a fucking surgeon with right. their job? It's completely different. It, it's not the same thing at all. That's and also, if we're going to talk about that, we also need to talk about white-on-white violence. There because just violence... Mm. Violet, listen, just the other day I was pulling up on my driveway and I saw two kids punching each other on the at the end of the cul-de-sac, okay? Did I call the police? No. Did I did I yell white on white crime no. or whatever the hell? I did not. No. I minded my damn business because they were probably siblings mm-hmm. and they were like again, none of my business. That's okay. Right. I just don't But again, like, the media is not talking about that. Exactly. But statistics say mm-hmm. that whoever is around you is who is going to commit crime? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like it's, the crime is not designated to a race or whatever. It's no. designated to your area and your situation. Thank you. So if you are living in a specific area, because crimes that have been committed against me in this town that I live in, that is mostly white, has been ninety. I'm not even saying that. It's been hundred percent white people. Mm-hmm. Any crime that has ever been 
committed against me. Mm-hmm. Any any harassment that has ever been directed mm-hmm. at me in this town of predominantly white people has been Bye. from white people. Mm-hmm. Because that is what is around me. Mm-hmm. So again, that argument is irrelevant and it shows me how really like ignorant and like unintelligent people Thank you. are. Thank you. Thank you. That's the end of my rant. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I'm just going to leave it right there because you hit every necessary point. It is a ridiculous argument. Um, I think that is an argument that needs to, it doesn't doesn't make sense. It's a nonsense argument. So let's just, Mm -hmm. yeah. So then the the last part, and this is the part that really stuck out to me because it hurt. And I kid you not when I say, so said individual says, I believe that George Floyd's death was a setup for the uh, Democratic Party. Jesus. So, um, and and um, so that they could, because where are the funds going? All the Black Lives Matter, um, the money. Where is that money going? So, then this, I I feel this is a setup, and will then that will come out in a few years. And um, wow. I, I had to park and, st- and, and say, so you feel like they found a black man, cast him in this role and watched Kill- him die for eight him? minutes. Yeah. Like that's what we're saying here. Yeah. Like, and it's, and of course, you know, that, oh no, no, no. Cause I'm not racist. I'm not racist. But the thing is, what you're yeah, saying exactly. is racist. Yeah, exactly. Pretty racist, though. You're racist. And exactly. People exactly. have said, and this is the thing that we talk about uh, uh, when we are talking about packing, unpacking. Sorry, that anti-racism. This is mm-hmm. the very thing because this had operated in front of my face. I'm not even mm-hmm. lying, Lena, when I say I was almost on the verge of tears, but I said you will not see my tears um, mm. because I was so frustrated. Yeah, and I, I was can like, imagine. I hated that I was the only one that had to explain this to this mm. and i just wanted i was like i just wanted somebody else were not, there I, other people there no no oh no. and i kept thinking i was like you know i want like because you're not going to hear me what you need mm-hmm. to do is listen to one of your white counterparts yeah and have them tell you this yeah so that you can believe it's true because you're not going to hear me obviously um and and i know we said this on a, a previous episode but this the conspiracy theory stuff is really dangerous you cannot Mm -hmm. do you cannot the i I don't know and i and uh, it's like we need to be humanized black people black exactly because how do you not think that george floyd did not have a family he was a father Mm -hmm. a brother a son the last minutes of his death calling out for his mom you Mm -hmm. think is a setup like what 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 literally just what like i don't even i don't even know where to start with that because it's just so ridiculous and like heartless for people that are that are mourning this man thank you and And you want to come here and say that it is a setup yeah like what the fuck does that what does that even mean i yeah seriously it's just it's it's this is the the, this is the work i'm talking about when i say we're not done Mm, because there are so people that we you know, kind of engage with on a day-to-day basis, whoever it may be, whether it's, you know, an aunt or uncle or, you know, coworker or family, whoever, right? Like, mm-hmm. it can be anybody that still holds these values that are so obviously and blatantly anti-Black yeah. um, that, that need to be checked. Like, we are not done this work because I don't have 
in me another conversation like that. Yeah. Because I will see jail. <laughs> like, <I'm> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And this is what, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, I watched a video by a woman named Ijoma Oluo. Mm-hmm. And she wrote a book called So You Want to Talk About Race. Okay. And I watched a YouTube video where she kind of did like a presentation talking about that book. Um, and one of the things that she said that really this just made me think of is that um, she's like, okay, so white people, like with black people, it's like, we don't, it's not that we all want to talk about race. We have to talk yeah. about race because by not talking about, like we're, everything is, we're always talking about, about race by default yes. because um when you're not talking about race, you're assuming that everything is white. Yes. So even when you're not talking about race, you're talking about race. Mm. Um, But she was saying how, uh, like, with white people, it's like they feel uncomfortable talking about race and they're scared to bring it up because they're like, oh, well, it's going to make me uncomfortable. And like, you know, I don't want to offend anyone and whatever. While it's like with black people, when we are afraid to bring up race or racial mm-hmm. issues, we're like, I'm afraid that I'm going to lose my job. That's I'm afraid it. that I'm going to, like you know, be seen as like difficult, exactly, aggressive, exactly. And it's like the, the stakes that we are dealing with here are completely night and day. Yeah. Because again, this man felt comfortable enough to come to you, Mm -hmm. a black man, Mm -hmm. not with sympathy, not with compassion, not with any type of empathy at all, but to come to you to try to have a little like, cute little debate about whether or not this whole thing is a conspiracy theory how are our lives like, up for debate it, this and this is what i'm saying because i'm like in that situation like i can't <laughs> i i don't know maybe maybe you do but like i can't imagine that you would just go to a random white person at work and be like Hey, so um, what do you think about white supremacy? Right? Like, is that again because you are there's there's so much the consequences are so much bigger, so and white people don't bigger. realize like mm-hmm. this man saying that privilege doesn't exist. Mm. He's flexing his privilege right there in your face <laughs> by coming to you, uh, uh, coming to you oh. of all people, and being like, "Listen, so here's my thoughts on you George." Know? Like, are you crazy? Are you, crazy? Are you mad? Are you uh. for real? Oh, it's so like true. that's actually wild, wild to me that that is something that someone would consider okay. And yep. I'm like, at what point do y'all stop and be like, hey, maybe what I'm doing is inappropriate. Yes. Maybe what I'm doing is insensitive. Maybe what I'm doing is wrong. Maybe I should stop and, and save this for my other like white conspiracy theorist friends. But you just said it perfectly. That is that is privilege in work in an emotion. Truly. You know, Truly. because uh, the definition of privilege is when you don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I love I love what you said because it is so true. Like the odds are so stacked up against us. Even in yeah. in in social circles, we can't just bring it up because again, like we're just the difficult ones or the angry. Do you know ones how many the... times I've been called the difficult one? Oh. Do you know how many times people have been like, "Why is she this way? Do you? Why are you bringing that up?" Because I will bring the shit I... up. And do it's you know like... how many times people have said <clears throat> to me? Um, okay that's it's it's not a race thing listen (laughs) that's their favorite (laughs) racists their favorite thing to say is it's not about race but it is (laughs) and it's funny because again 
it's not about race yet when you are talking in general terms you are like indirectly saying white thank you in this society you if you don't mention the race we're all supposed to assume that the race is white which is why when people say a black man they have to say a black man they have to say an asian man they have to say uh uh, indigenous man they have to Mm. give those those descriptive terms because without a descriptive term the default is white white. Mm -hmm. therefore you cannot say that privilege doesn't exist and you cannot say that you're not it's not about race it's always about race Mm. Mm. amen just that mm. is that's just it that's just it it is always going to be about yeah it blows my mind exactly and it's uh you know I'm just, I'm just going to keep on saying like, uh, this is, this is the stuff we're up against. Um, mm. It is absurd and it's ridiculous. Um, Cause you know, as I said before, it's like, you know how like people in, in general, like will kind of be like, okay, like it's important to, you know, kind of what's the, how to go like engage with the other side or like see another point of view mm. or another perspective. I understand that I do. And, and especially as, um, like as somebody that you know went to university, I know that that is the entire purpose and the underlying you know theme surrounding um, conversation is mm-hmm. understanding that there is always going to be another perspective. However, if the other perspective immediately negates the existence of a person because of their color, their skin, their sexuality, their gender, I'm out. Mm-hmm. I because. Yeah, I can't. It's that there's there is no perspective. I don't care. That's the thing. Like, like you can't. There's not much you can do from that point no. because you can only come at like we're supposed to show or we're supposed to be able to relate to both sides. We're supposed to like create space to hear the other side, but the other side is not creating space to hear us Mm. and you can't that's not a conversation that's not a discussion that's not a debate that's not how any of that works so it's like a waste of time for us to even sit down with these people and have conversations with somebody that's not even going to listen to you someone who's not even going to respect you as a person and hear your point of view why the hell do i have to sit and hear yours then that's it why why and 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 what and because and that is such a good point because now we're talking about the structure of power mm-hmm. and how exactly. power dynamics work because you feel like you can impose on me your uh, quote unquote values, but mm-hmm. why are you like, what wh- that's a great, like, why, mm-hmm. why do you get a pass and yours is viewed as, you know, intellectual or educated or whatever it may be. And it actually reminds yeah. me of a few weeks ago, there was, um, uh, something on Instagram, like a quote that was kind of floating around. I wrote it down because I th- I thought it was just so well encompassing. And it says, mm-hmm. when you debate a person over something that affects them more than it affects you, remember that it will take a much greater emotional toll on them than on you. For you, mm-hmm. it may feel like an academic exercise. For them, it feels like revealing their pain only to have you dismiss their experience and sometimes their humanity. The fact that you might remain calm under these circumstances is a consequence of your privilege, not increased objectivity, sorry, not increased objectivity on your part. Stay humble. Wow. You know? So that, okay, wow. (laughs) (laughs) That made me think of so many times that I have been gaslit. Oh, 
and not even just in situations about race but like when I'm like arguing with a significant other or whatever or like any argument that. that I've gotten into where it's like I'm sitting there sounding like the crazy one yes. because I'm yelling and crying and I'm emotional and they're like why are you so mad? You oh, need to calm that's down. it. And it's like, yeah, but this game that you're playing with me doesn't affect you directly the way that it affects me. Thank you. And that is why you're able to stay calm. And uh, you staying calm doesn't mean that you're the smarter one. Exactly. Or you're like, that's, I mean, ooh, people love to use that shit. They, they do. They love to use it. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> ooh it pisses me off. It's oh, so it true. So it's they so really true. And it is that gaslighting. That. Yeah. It's like yeah. the idea that like if yeah, it's the idea that you're you're you made you're made to feel irrational. Mm-hmm. You know, for feeling mm-hmm. a certain way. And as it says, it's like yeah, that, I, I'm ex- I'm exposing my pain and my trauma to you. Exactly. So how yeah. could I not get emotional about this? And then yeah. Yeah, it's just it's and especially in a situation where somebody comes to you, thank you, with I a did not topic ask for this. asking for you thank to you. expose, thank you, your emotions and for you to expose your tra- that's like just it, just for them to then like disregard all of it, right? With some bullshit, right? Like, I don't oof. know. It makes no sense, but it doesn't. You know, it really doesn't. Yeah, I, I, that's I hope so irritating that this this person can um can find 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 a way to like just Oof, I was through. about to say something really not good. <laughs> it's like you know what they can find. <laughs> um yeah, but I'm gonna leave that one alone. <laughs> um but um, yeah. before we head to um our conversation with Makambe, um did you watch the BT Awards this week? I did not. Did you see any clips or anything? I definitely did. Yeah, yeah. It was. In, yeah. I watched them. It was like it was. It was interesting. Just I. They were definitely innovative in the social distancing aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I was, I was hot. Very impressed. Very impressed. Yeah. The only thing that I was like personally missing from it was the actual like the live vocals you know like when mm. you like use you know like because I, I you know this like I just love singing and music and I just mm-hmm. you know and I know like so many of these artists that were up there like Megan the Stallion and Alicia Keys John Legend you know et cetera, et cetera. Jennifer Hudson whoo Jennifer Hudson mm. I know that they can sing sing but I was like oh I kind of miss like the live vocal yeah of it, you know um, yeah yeah but it was it was certainly a metaphor for you know, when Black people are presented with a hurdle, what we do with that hurdle. Like, mm-hmm. it's, they still pulled off an awards show in the COVID of it all. So it was, yeah, it was impressive, I will say. Well, um, proud of, out them? Of, the clips are you proud you of saw, them? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, you know, if you want to keep it this way, I would not be mad. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we because the one thing about this. it, they were on time. <laughs> <laughs> well... Well, well, well. <laughs> when everything is pre-recorded, you can be on time. You know? <laughs> and an episode of Poetic Justice didn't start halfway through afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. Oh man. So good. Um, which of the performances or clips that you saw, which one stuck out to you? Okay, so I'm gonna be honest here. Um, I only saw two. Mm-hmm. 
I enjoyed both of them thoroughly. Mm-hmm. One was a Megan the <sighs> Stallion. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 that yeah. was really Ooh. something pleasurable to watch oh. and listen to. Remember uh, the ma- other... last year? Sorry, not to catch you up. Remember mm-hmm. last year when she was just on the come up? And we would always talk about how, like, this girl is a star. Like, and look at her now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, it's mm-hmm. just amazing. Yeah, go on. Truly. Sorry. Um, the other was Chloe and Halle. Oh, and I, I know, you know how much mm. I love them. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that was also very Another enjoyable. perfect example of stars. Just honestly, yeah. Let the talent speak for itself. I'm like, just y'all just continue to rise. Seriously. Okay. Seriously. It's, uh, it is amazing. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love them. Yeah. Yeah. Two, those are probably two of my favorite along with uh, Jennifer Hudson's was amazing, but I, I love Jennifer her. Hudson. Yeah. She's, she, so she she's saying um, an Aretha Franklin cover oh, okay. called Young, Gifted and Black. And mm. you know when she sings, <laughs> when Jennifer Hudson sings, like, I don't know, something takes over and it is like, it is just, it's, She's just insane. I'm just happy she, to no, listen, do that. Like she sings from the depths yes, like, of her, like the very, very <laughs> bottom of her soul. Yeah, she's pulling every ancestor mm-hmm. out, every you know? single like, one. Yes. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, even the oh. ones that didn't want to attend, oh. they attend. Oh yeah, just it, yeah. yeah. She was she was amazing. After, and that's me saying that like I didn't see that performance, but and I, I just know I just I know, know what right? she does. Just know. I know how she is when she performs. I just know. I yeah, we just and another thing before right before we leave, um, I just find it very interesting. So last week we had our episode surrounding Black Joy, um, and we kind of had like a bit of like an off the off the cuff talk. And um we talked a lot about Beyonce. And mm-hmm. inadvertently, we spend a lot of time talking about the gift. Now, yeah. Now, what happened <laughs> <laughs> three days after? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Are we that, like, you know, so she releases a trailer mm. for the gift visual album. Yeah. Yeah, ma'am. Are you listening? <laughs> because I'm so excited. Oh. I'm so excited for that. Oh, I oh, oh. And we talked. We talked about. We talked about how we're like. You know what? It's like the love child of yes like, African yes! history and yes! Black American yes! history, and just coming together and just. And, and then I, and mm. we see this trailer like three days later. I'm yeah. Like, are you kidding me yeah. right now? <laughs> you know what happened is that. Beyonce heard us. Okay, she felt it. She <laughs> and she was like, like, "I gotta you know drop what? this trailer right now. Mm-hmm, right now, it has to happen now. It cannot wait because oh. because my children, right? <laughs> my children are out there just waiting for it." <laughs> <laughs> oh, July thirty first, Black mm-hmm. is King. I am. I'm gonna so have to get Disney Plus. ready. Oh, <laughs> baby, let me hook you up with my password. Oh my gosh, <laughs> would you? Because thank you so much. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'd love you forever. I'll love you forever, anyways. But like, I'll love you extra. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I love it. Ooh, but we're gonna take a quick break. And after this, we're going to be back with Makambe Samamba. Mm-hmm. She's going to give us some real, really, really good talk. Mm-hmm. So we'll be right back, y'all. 
And we are back. And we are black. Yes, we are. <laughs> and this time, there's three of us who are black. I am so excited to introduce to the show our guest for the week. Um, I am talking an award-winning, celebrated, decorated, critically acclaimed, playwright, creative, director, actress. May the list go on and on and on. And I know I'm missing something. Did I miss anything? Oh, I'm wood nymph in this thing called life. (laughs) (laughs) That beautiful voice you hear is the wonderful amazingly talented Miss Macombe Samamba. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Uh, We are so excited to have you. This is just Mm going to be such a great um, conversation. I'm excited to hear your perspective on so many of the things that, you know, Len and I have been talking about over the last few weeks, but um, I think we should just get right into it. Yeah. Yeah. How are you doing, Macombi? I know you're situated in the Toronto area right now. And I just want to ask, how are you doing? And how has the last kind of five weeks been like for you since everything, since the revolution, really? Wow. How how are you doing as a question right now is like so loaded Mm -hmm. because I am (laughs) I am the full gamut of emotions kind of all the time. Mm. Um, mm. and <laughs> I guess the, I guess the best word I can come up with is I'm humbled, mm. um, mm. by everything that's, that's taking place and, and the intensity of the energy of the air. Mm. So I am anxious and I am a- angry and I am not sleeping well, but at the same time, I am inspired and I am connected and I'm stronger than I've ever been. Mm. So it's like, it's like feeling all of the, it's like all of the emotions all the time. (laughs) (laughs) That is, yeah, yeah, I think you speak for a lot of Black people right now. It is a lot that is going on right now. What's the energy like in Toronto specifically right now? Who? It is, from my perspective, it's mm-hmm. intense. Um, yeah. This past weekend, I was at a rally or a teach-in at Nathan Phillips Square, so just where City Hall is, um, and there were several Black and Indigenous speakers basically teaching about when we say defund the police, like, why are we saying that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what the heck mm-hmm. does that mean? So it was a brilliant opportunity for people to come together in solidarity and and just connect and and be around people at this time when we're all isolating. That is powerful, mm. but also just to learn to learn and further understand why these particular initiatives and movements are important. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. The day. After that specific rally that I went to, the Toronto City Council was voting on whether or not they would defund the police mm-hmm. budget by 10 percent. And it, yeah, it, it didn't it didn't pass. They, they voted mm-hmm. no, which I'm like, what else needs to happen? So yeah. there's yeah. So, so people are. 
at least the people within my circle, there's just a hunger for change. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's like (laughs) for people who aren't black uh, because (laughs) like myself and like the allies who I surround myself with, we're all just like, we're all just ready for it to happen and it's just become non-negotiable. So it's, it's, it's electric. Yeah. Mm. And so interesting too, because this is the first time in at least recent history that I think the three of us could agree that this is the most organized people have been um, surrounding yeah. Black Lives Matter. We have been saying it from the top of our lungs for years, but this is the first time we have people that are learning about it, people that are reading about it, people that are understanding it. So the, the fact that this is the first time we are this organized and these motions and laws can't pass, it puts a very scary feeling in the air, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty... It's... It makes me think, I've been thinking a lot at this time about the 1960s. Mm. Um, Not that long ago, right? Yeah, I used Mm. to, two months ago, me, thought that like the 1960s were like in the past, past. But (laughs) (laughs) today, me, it's just like that happened 10 minutes ago. Um, So one of the things that um, I just reconnected with was like, how long? And Mm. yeah, you're talking about the idea of being organized, like how, like, we know sort of some of the history of like Montgomery, Alabama, right? Rosa Parks was like, I'm not giving you my seat, white guy, Mm -hmm. because I'm also a person. He's like, what? A person? Never (laughs) go to jail now. (laughs) Right? And how that that, um, resulted in the bus boycotts and how long, like, like, so our people, our people have always been able to organize. But the thing, the thing that we have that they didn't have in the 60s is devices, we don't have, yes. you know, you know what I mean? Like we don't have the barrier of not being able to access each other and being able to organize at the yes. same time. So I yeah. feel like that's really special about this time. And in yeah. regards to like when Black Lives Matter, like when the movement was articulating itself as Black Lives Matter, because I know that we've all like Black people have always been resisting and doing this work. Yeah, Specifically, I, I, the last time I felt a, 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 an electric surge of energy, it feels quite different to me now Mm -hmm. but like Mm -hmm. that was in 2014 um and I remember I mean wow it's interesting I still sometimes have this experience but I felt like when Trayvon Martin died Mm -hmm. uh and there was no justice for him Mm -hmm. whatsoever Mm -hmm. and his parents decided or or, or had to, they all, all they wanted was to pursue justice for their son. So they were like, Hey, can, can you, can you arrest the guy? He, Oh, he called you. Mm. Okay. Why is this hard? Can you arrest them? And mm-hmm. they're like, uh, no, I don't think we're going to arrest him. They're like, can you please arrest mm-hmm. him? What's mm. like, and so that, that push and the way that that ignited and connected and enraged our community. And then to have after finally, protests and marches and petitions and people and celebrities being like hey Trayvon Martin finally the case goes to um the case finally goes to trial and Manz is found not guilty and so Mm. so so I think I don't think a lot of people know that like Black Lives Matter came out of it was a response specifically to that verdict that's right right? Mm -hmm. so 
so so so in within our community we call Trayvon the boy who launched the movement because mm-hmm. because that was the first time we were like what like like the like the guy even admitted to killing the mm-hmm. <laughs> this child mm-hmm. <laughs> and also he wasn't like he was not a cop Oof. he didn't have that like he didn't have a badge mm-hmm. behind mm-hmm. him and yet the police still were like yeah no it's fine he's yeah he's standing his ground That's or whatever nice. yeah and I think yeah. That's the biggest, that's the biggest mistake that the people who try to harm us in this way think. That's the biggest mistake that they make. It's that they think that nobody cares about us. They think that we're nobodies. And it's like, it's like, yes, we don't necessarily have worldwide protests for every death, but like we carry that as black people, we feel it. Mm -hmm. And so just to go back to your, to your, um, your um, idea of like, you know, like the organization seems different this mm-hmm. time. I feel like mm-hmm. the difference is that, like, I would say that the allyship is different. Thousand percent. Be- oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, I just, yeah, I like, I know that <laughs> the, the, the BLM folks and the, the people who were there before we were calling it uh, BLM w- were like <laughs> doing all of these things. But it's like, it's like, the, I, I just, I don't know. I'm like, did people not believe us? I don't know. I'm so happy about <laughs> yeah. those questions. Like, why like like and I have I mean several theories as to why it's different this time but it feels like we are able to organize on a bigger level and a more solid solid and unified level and that is exciting but I'm really pissed off that we have to do it like I Mm -hmm. love like I just want to be super boring y'all I just want to okay well maybe (laughs) not me I'm not the right example because I'm like I'm an artist and a wood nymph but (laughs) I want (laughs) I want our kids to just grow up and be boring like just like yeah I just I want black families to have like 2.2 kids you know I want them to have like regular schmegular jobs like I, I want to be able to you know walk home without not making it yeah i want to mm-hmm. be able to drive my car without fearing death yeah mm-hmm. you know when you think about everything you're saying makambe i think about the talk you know that black mm-hmm. parents have to have yeah and the weight mm-hmm. of that talk and and how unfair it feels to have to have that talk because simply existing puts us in harm's way so many times Mm-hmm. All of the cases that we've just talked about, you know, when you think about Trayvon Martin, when we think about Timur Rice, when we think about George Floyd, when we think about for the love of God, Sandra Bland and, yeah. you know, Breonna Taylor, it's just like, what? what's the common thread amongst all of them? They didn't do anything. And it was the mm-hmm. color of their skin that put them in these positions. Like, it's just so frustrating um, yeah. mm-hmm. because it feels like I mean I want to I really want to echo what you were saying Makambe which is like yes we do need to be inspired and and certainly more mobilized now more than ever now that we have the attention of our allies now is the time to really hone in on that work and um, utilize that but it doesn't get lost on me how I don't know how to say this and I hope this comes out the, um, this doesn't come out the wrong way but borderline how exhausting it is I guess you know that's a good word yeah like because we are experiencing this in real time every single day and we've been doing this for the last 30 some years as black people um and 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 you know and even as 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 black millennials makambi you made such a good point of like the difference between then and now is we have devices 
and we can connect to people and we um you know mm-hmm. change.org did not exist back in um the 60s you had to go door to door to door and get people to sign yeah. petitions right That's and correct. now you get to the click of a button so mm-hmm. um but when you think about it it's like so when we talk about like um the uh like selma and stuff like that mm. that happened where they didn't have a way to talk to the masses all at once it's like they were still able to make a lot of change without that yes so it's like really yes i i don't mm-hmm. want to say frustrating but i'm going to say frustrating mm-hmm. that e- even now when we have all of this we have all of this technology that we can use to help us create change and still there's so much resistance yeah yeah like and again it's like um how you were saying my combi it's like what what more has to happen what more do we have to do Mm. for you to just change these laws or Mm -hmm. change the like you know to defund the police or by 10 like 10 percent is not it's nothing 10 (laughs) percent And they're like, yeah, no, I don't think I'm going to give you that. I'm not going to give you that 52 cents. No, thank you. Uh, like, what, Literally. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. It's frustrating as hell. Yeah, no, absolutely. Whew, but, you know, we're all just going to keep fighting that good fight, right? Like, we have no other option um, yeah. than to keep doing what we're doing. And, um, yeah, it's it's interesting times. And so, Macombe, I do want to quickly and casually transition into... Um, you're talking about Trayvon Martin. And as I said at the top, you are a playwright who um, is decorated in so many different ways in your own right. And I am so proud of you because you were out here Thank doing you. things. Thank and you. so one of the plays that you've written um, is called Our Fathers, Sons, Lovers, and Little Brothers. And that is in direct response or direct correlation to... Um, the Trayvon Martin case and you know in so many ways Trayvon Martin and you'd said this Makambe um Trayvon Martin has kind of and I'll always become the face of the the new wave revolution surrounding Black Lives Matter or that um uh, George Zimmerman's acquittal at least right so mm-hmm. it where did this inspiration come from what what parts of yourself did you pull from to write this, let, let, actually, let's go back. G- maybe give the listeners um, a synopsis of what it's about. Sure. So our fathers, um, sons, lovers, and little brothers uh, brings an audience to February 26th, 2012 in Florida. Mm. And it's the story of a 17-year-old Black boy wearing a hoodie who leaves a 7-Eleven carrying a bag of Skittles and an iced tea, and he never makes it home. Um what I try to do with this show is to invite the world (laughs) to enter the consciousness of this infamous teenager and relive his last moments and face the intricacy of his dance into the afterlife. Mm. So um, it's a solo show. I play Trayvon and the first moment of the play is his first moment of the afterlife. So he enters into a room and he sees people or presences looking back at him, which within the context of theater is the audience. And his task is to figure out what to do next. So he calls out for God 
and God does not respond. And he says, you know, there should be like a step-by-step instruction manual or something. Mm. (laughs) And then one falls from the sky. So our fathers is basically this boy going through an instruction manual called your journey to the ancestors, a step-by-step instruction manual. Mm. And it's kind of an opportunity or what I intend to do with the show was to allow us to see what he might've been thinking about and processing in his last moment, not knowing that he was going to launch the movement, but being just like Mm. a 17 year old kid who just like, really like donuts and like had a girl who get a crush on it mm-hmm. wanted to go to prom with and just like was like I love iced tea I'm gonna go watch the rest of this basketball game mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah I've been I'm really humbled to say that um our fathers has gained me two Dora Maver Moore awards one for playwriting and one for performance yes so wow. it's been a real it's been wonderful to be recognized artistically Mm -hmm. um with this piece of work but now i just want it to be recognized in terms of like why did i make the work you Mm -hmm. know like thank you big thank you for the awards i'm really grateful but like also if you watch the play nothing that's happening right now should be a shock so these white Mm -hmm. people who are like i just had no idea it was that but i'm like but but where (laughs) were weren't you there (laughs) didn't we talk about it what Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) so yeah you had asked um ali like what like why i sort of wrote this Mm -hmm. um in 2014 my own little brother was 17 and Mm -hmm. i just i just thought to myself oh my god i can't imagine there being an empty space at my dinner table and Mm. for what Mm. and if if by any for any reason that were to be the case and somebody harmed my kin that law enforcement would protect the person who harmed him Mm -hmm. rather than Mm. his own legacy and it just fucked me up Mm -hmm. therefore like Mm. such as I, i i couldn't yeah, I, I just, I, I couldn't leave it alone. It took me several years to sort of actually be um, skilled enough as a writer to sort of bring it to fruition. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is where Our our Fathers was born from. That's amazing. Yeah. I can't imagine the space you had to go to to write this. Um, can you talk about that experience just kind of mentally? Because you have to go to some really dark places and unravel and unveil some really horrific things, I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. just that process. What was that like for you? And, and how did you take care of your spirit through all of this? Hmm. It was, it was and continues to be quite a, a spiritual process because it has to be. Yeah. Um, I, I, I perform this in theaters. And so it makes sense to be like, this is a play. Mm-hmm. But what it is for our community is a prayer it is our time and space to mourn and grieve. So instead of approaching it like a play, I approach it like church. Mm. I approach it like this is an hour for me to take people to my mosque or Mm, to my, whatever it is, you know, that you, Mm -hmm. um, whatever resonates. Um, The process I, I, the first time I tried to write this play um, in 2014 and I, and I couldn't, (laughs) I wasn't grown up enough and I hadn't processed enough and I wasn't where I needed to be yet. Um, it, it started to 
reveal itself to me in 2016. I did a, um, a workshop in Calgary. And at the end of this workshop, we did like 10 minute solos. And at that time in my life, I was in the pit of grief. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I had my heart brutally broken by the person, the only person up until then whom I had ever loved. Mm. Um, and that person was a super problematic white man who only dates black girls and isn't nice to them. Mm. Oh. So what I was experiencing in terms of raw and just like, you know, that first big ugly heart. Oh Lord. Don't we mm. all know it? Ooh. <laughs> 20s. Everybody's twenties are just garbage. Yeah. So Actual trash. There, there was that. Um, and then starting to sort of name what white supremacy looks like and the different and sneaky ways in which it can manifest in our lives, even sometimes from the people who we think um, have our back the most. Mm. And then, yeah, so within a week of that breakup, I also lost um, my cousin who was um, in her late 20s in a car accident. And then a couple of days later, um, I lost an aunt So when I tell you I was raw and in grief Mm -hmm. and (laughs) I just, and I think that that's actually the place that I needed to go to start the idea. The only reason that I finished with that three week um, sort of theater intensive was because I thought that my cousin who would have passed, I just felt her saying like, I need you to finish this. Mm -hmm. And I'm, and I'm so glad she nudged me um, from the other side. So I, there was a level of not caring about impressing people I was just doing it to finish it so creatively I was not blocked because my intention was not I gotta do something I gotta impress these people the thing about like these theater types of like intensives it's like you're also being trained or like mentored by people who you kind of hope will hire you so sometimes there's a weird thing of like I gotta do something really really well totally give me jobs later yeah and so I just didn't have that but within that emerged the instinct to like be a black boy like like hip-hop and when i'm talking hip-hop i'm talking i'm not talking like nas even though like you know what i mean or like that generation of like rappers i'm talking like soldier boy like <laughs> like i'm talking like 17 year old like i like skittles like what like that totally <laughs> because i think that um that generation is contributes to our community as a whole our arts culture exponentially and is they get killed all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of care, I, I, as I started to develop the show more, um, so care looked like one, uh, releasing white people who wanted to take over the show and make the show their own. Um, Cause there was a lot of people who were like, Ooh, like the thing with, the Trayvon Martin story is it's like, it's sexy, right? People, people know about it. It's something yeah. that could really sound good yeah. in the grand and application. people romanticize mm. it. Exactly. Yeah. And it's gross. So I had to, A, so self-care looks like I would, um, in times of development. So that means like, so a play takes several years to write f- for me, mm-hmm. every play that I've written. So you kind of work on it, then you leave it alone, then you come back, then you leave it alone. And so sometimes coming back to it, this is like sitting at it laptop and other times I'll get into a room with like a director or a dramaturge who's just somebody who helps me um, 
kind of reflects to me whether or not my intentions are being reflected in the words that I'm writing. Um, so I'd come together with creative people. So I had to make sure that those people were all black. Mm. Um, mm. That was a, that was a level of care. Um, I steeped myself in the meditation practice and I just would always um, set intentions for the work so that I knew that I was not centering my own ego and I was respecting Trayvon and his memory. Um, and the last thing that I did within that, I guess, journey of writing, one of the most significant things was that I traveled to the U.S. because I just wanted to, I just wanted to, I just wanted to steep myself in the energy, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I went to Ferguson, Missouri, and I stood in the spot that Michael Brown died and just Oof. felt, wow. I just felt what the air was like because I knew that mm. it was going to inform me in some way. I went to Montgomery, Alabama, and uh, went to the who Equal Justice Museum, wow. the, the Museum mm-hmm. for Peace and Justice, I think it's called, mm-hmm. um, where it's the only memorial of like lynchings, and they had wow. they have names of all of these people. It's 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 stunning. It's it's oh it, oh it's oh that was oh, quite an experience. That's, yeah, that and, I just it's, I'm sure it's just like palatable being in these Mm -hmm. spaces where you feel, you know, you feel your ancestors and you feel just your, just, just that lived experience. I can't, like, that's just, it doesn't get more real than that, you know? Yeah, it was, it was pretty intense. Um, And, and then I'll, yeah. And so I did, I took some time. And so I would go to these places and I would, I would pray and I would meditate and I would literally be like, (laughs) Where would you have me go? What would you have me do? Mm. What would you have me say and to whom? Like, it was that level of surrender. The last thing that I did on that pilgrimage um, was I drove from Montgomery, Alabama to Sanford, Florida, where Trayvon was murdered. Um, And so it was an eight-hour drive because I just do these wild ass thing you know like, i was gonna ask why like, would so I do that? were you just so you just got in the car and you're like i'm just gonna drive to this <laughs> because planes are a thing and you know <laughs> like did you have were people with you were you by yourself i How? like to do <laughs> things the hard way your... oh okay <laughs> that explains it um <laughs> the truth is i I, I had X amount of money and it didn't make like I, I was scared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so my scared ration, rationality was like, I don't have to go to where, where Trayvon died because, you know, Ferguson, like, like that was just like a, a public street. Um, Montgomery has a lot of history and there are museums and lots of ways in which just as a tourist, I could tap in and learn. Right. But mm-hmm. Sanford, Florida, where Trayvon died was a gated community. So, a regular schmegular person doesn't actually have access Mm. and so um and also he died in sanford florida but lived um closer to miami Mm. um he was there just visiting um his dad and i guess stepmom at the time so i i I came up with several reasons why i i I didn't need to go and i couldn't afford it but then after being in montgomery i was like i'm so close i have to Mm -hmm. go so the only thing that made sense was to rent a car and drive eight hours because because so i drove eight (laughs) hours like through alabama past cotton fields y'all like and when i tell you those things like like it's hard to imagine like 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 just acres 
just wow. caught just caught and staring i had to i i stopped at the side of the road and took a picture and i you can't even get a sense from it of it from the picture and these places because they still make cotton <laughs> yeah um, so like in terms of where would have like the you know like the the ma- master's house been like i couldn't even see it with my eye wow. like hmm. like that's how big <clears throat> these little these little <laughs> it's almost like they were their own horrible empires because yeah. Mm. um yeah so i drove to sanford and get i got to um i'm driving there and i'm like makambe you are so goddamn crazy what on earth are you doing first of all why are you writing a play about these people's son you haven't even talked to them like why is it your business you're not even american <laughs> what you what's wrong with you like i had all these doubts because i had driven for like several hours um, alone with your thoughts alone yeah mm-hmm. i get to sanford florida it's so quaint it's like on a the side of a lake the the downtown is cobblestone streets it was Ooh. cute mm. i get to this gated community and i was like so first of all what i did was i just prayed i was like i was like you know what like i was like dear god hey how are you sometimes mm. we don't talk often <laughs> but um <laughs> kind of in a little bit of a situation here so like i and i'm not a person who's like god send me a sign but i was like so can you send me a sign that i'm supposed to be here and that i'm not just like disrespecting this child's memory and Mm. like his living family's work and legacy because Mm. i have yet to have a conversation with them even though i have reached out so i was just like freaking out i was like having an anxiety attack it was great so Mm. i'm in this like (laughs) so i'm in this like 20 19 or like super new not 2019 that's not math maybe it was anyway i'm in this like really fancy rental car right and i pull up to this community called goldsboro now goldsboro was one of the first like historically blackity black towns and they mm-hmm. were thriving at a certain point but sanford florida which was a white town wanted to expand and basically on on the other side of where it could expand, there was a lake. And then the other side, there was other white towns. So they're like, it's fine. We'll just swallow up this black town so that we can get bigger. Oh, that never happens. That's so interesting. Right? I know. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. White people just never encroach on other people's land. Wild. So, um, So, yeah. So they just swallowed what was this thriving black community. And right now, you as soon as you drive in it's it's like walking into a different world so i drove in because there was like a little um cultural museum that i wanted to go to Mm -hmm. um so i drive in and on the left bright and shiny so clean you could eat off the sidewalk the Hmm. sanford police station on the kitty corner to the welcome to um, the historic community of goldsboro oh my so literally you cross an intersection and this intersection is not even big enough to have traffic lights, if I remember correctly. And all of a sudden, you're in a neighborhood that looks very underserved. Oh, my goodness. Hmm. And that has yeah. that history, right? So, I, so yeah, I just I spent time walking around there and just feeling what it felt like. And it's, it's Florida, right? So, it's like there's palm trees. I'm like, the seat, like, it's really green and lush. But at the same time, mm. like, this, poli- this police station where they didn't do anything it's right there where the black community has <laughs> that and and the police station looked sp- spick and span Ugh. right 
So mm. I drove around to some 7-Elevens in the area um, and I bought Skittles and an iced tea and I, draw, I drive to this gated community and I'm like, I'm just going to park outside and I'm going to pray because I'm like, we don't want to like go in there because that's like, like yeah. that didn't work out well for our little brother. Absolutely. And he was supposed yeah. to be there, right? So I drive past it and I'm just like, ugh, I'm like, I know that I can't go in. So I'll just like, I'll just park. A... So I go and I park across the street from the from the sign and it is a uh, elementary school so i was like wow weird cool people will have you thinking that trayvon died in the hood mm. he didn't mm. he died in a gated community like it looks like the type of place where like like uh, the mom or dad will take an extra job to pay that extra bit of rent so mm. that her 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 kids are in a safer environment right mm. so i drive yeah. around it because it's quite a big like it's like a it's like it's it's its own community i drive around it and one of the gates is open so i'm like oh is that the side oh my lord oh my goodness wow so i went in oh because my oh lord <laughs> crazy <laughs> yeah my heart is pounding right now oh my gosh see. <laughs> I, I went in saw a white man walking his dog i was like what if he's racist Jesus. and i drove out and then i was like yeah. makambe you 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 were led here for a reason. Like, mm. <laughs> go ahead. So I, I calmed myself. Mm. I prayed a lot. I had so many crystals in my car, you guys. I'm like, please, Lord, please, please, what am I doing? <laughs> I get into the this community and I park. So I saw I saw some black people there and I felt at ease. So I walked around and what I discovered was like the grass was so green it looked like an Instagram filter. There was mm. a man-made pond in the middle of this community mm. with like mm. some ducks or oh. whatever animals are in ponds. Like, <laughs> yeah, there was some birds in there. Some there was, um, yeah, there was a, a gym. There was a swimming oh, wow. pool. When people mm. when people want to make it seem like he died in the hood, not that he would be any less worthy Absolutely. if he died in mm. the hood, but... I just recognize like, oh, like the media doesn't tell you that. No, they don't. And the narrative mm. is so important to note that, yes. that the narrative does not um, intentionally tell us that. Absolutely. Yeah. Ugh, God. And I, I got in by a fluke, but you need a code to get in. Like the, mm. the one particular gate that was open for some reason, um, like you didn't like, like, okay so i saw some other gates and i observed like you need a code to get in yeah so even the fact that somebody who was supposedly not supposed to be there um was chased down in a place where you need a code um is is outrageous so this is a very long um long-winded answer but taking care looked like a lot of meditation prayer surrounding myself with the right people and finding ways in which I felt guided to make sure that I was honoring Trayvon and all of the people he represents past, present and future. And so it looked like going on these little missions of like, I'm going to go on this trip and what am I doing? I also like dressed like a boy in Toronto for a couple of days just to see how people's body language was different. Mm. Mm. Took, took the whole weave out and like wore a toque. It was winter, like put on the baggy jeans and I just observed what bodies were doing around me mm-hmm. um and so feeling like i'm connected to that and feeling like the day that i do have that conversation with sabrina fulton that i can stand in the integrity of like i did this because of this mm. i I'm, i can't anticipate what 
she's going to think or what she's going to be down with. But to be able to have a reason has been the way that I have taken care of myself because I know that I am coming with love and a purpose. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so it's kept me grounded um, throughout the process. That's amazing, Macombe. Wow. That's amazing. Um, I, yeah, I just think that what you're doing is is beyond incredible. And there was a, a lot <clears throat> of sacrifice, a lot of as I said, kind of getting into that head and, 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 and uh, that the mental gymnastics that that requires, it's not a comfortable space to be in, but you certainly put yourself in a position where you were called to do something and you followed through with it. And I just think mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's incredible. I want to ask you very quickly about, so you, as you mentioned before, you play Trayvon Martin in the play and right. obviously not should say obviously, but you identify as female. Yes, I do. So now that that gender swap there, what was the reason for that? Um, what was the reason that you felt it was important um, that not, not that you played per se, but that it could kind of be from a woman's perspective? Hmm. I guess I. Um. The way that I, I, when I do a solo show, I, I really write it in my body mm. and there's a lot of sort of dance and movement language that emerges. Mm. So it, 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 the instinct was actually just quite natural to like, I want a doogie. Mm. And like, I, my early impulses for the show really had a lot to do. I was thinking a lot about like the soldier boy, the doogie, like yeah. all of these dances that mm -hmm. get so, <laughs> you know, um, popularized that start with a lot of our black youth, um, I, it just felt really natural for me to embody. I love that. And then I realized that, like, with the with the title, Our Fathers, Sons, Lovers, and Little Brothers, that there is a commentary as to, like, what we in the Black community, um, as those who don't identify as male, right? Mm. Like, that these are the stories of so many of the men mm. in our life or these are our fears for the men in our life whether they be old enough to have given me life or whether they be young enough <laughs> right. to have to have gotten life from me and so mm -hmm. that's kind of where that instinct came from and like I fully acknowledge that like and I think like we do have to be careful of not only centering like straight cisgendered males in the um, fight for black lives so mm -hmm. I, I fully fully acknowledge Oof. that um, yeah, because you know what, like, like, so, like that is just, just a looking... word. That is just yeah. Like, come on, say it again. Oh yeah, right? just because, like, look at George Floyd versus Breonna Taylor. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, like, and 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 <laughs> it's because, uh, yeah, I, I just kind of followed an, an impulse. I love that. Um, mm -hmm. On that, but I wanted to. Th that was part of my way of like having the commentary and like, I guess, partially processing that through my own body, mm -hmm. mm. processing the grieving mm. of these people through my own vessel. Mm. That's, mm. that's beautiful. God, I love that. Could you, I don't know if this is, if, if this is right, but it, you know, could you almost say there's almost um, in you taking on this role yourself is there almost um, an erasure of the binary of gender that you could just look at the story as is? Hmm. Was that a goal or was that even in your mind or, you know, like what was? 
what was happening there. And if I no, go ahead, go ahead. I think it's really representative of what my fears are because the fears that I I'm I'm way more scared for my brother than I am my sister. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because my sister and I as as you know female identified folks are in the same camp and I just recognize that like at like 54 and 130 pounds I don't think I I I'm sure I irritate people <laughs> but I don't <laughs> think that I I don't think I make people fear for their lives. Right. Mm. Whereas like, so, so the way that I feel like that, the way that I had, I mean, thus far, um, the way that I fear for that violence for myself versus like the males in my life is different. I see. I mean, Mm. we've seen so many examples of like women um, and trans folks just losing their lives to the same, (laughs) to the same foolishness, unfortunately. Absolutely. in terms of like what was really eating at my soul, it was just my brother. That could be my brother. Mm. That is my brother. Mm-hmm. That could be my, like mm. Eric Garner could be my dad. Mm-hmm. Like that, like, and that, and I, and my question was like, when, when someone dies, who is left behind? Yeah. Mm. You know, it felt like a, a memorial in, in that sense. And I, I, I would actually love for, I want a black cis man to write our mothers, daughters, lovers, and little sisters. Hey, like that would be beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. Come, yes. come through. And like, it's like, it's like, it's like my guy, like we, we fight for you and we always will, but also come through for us. Oh yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And um, to kind of, you know, end on that note, where can people find our father's sons, lovers, and little brothers? That's a good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm I'm careful mm-hmm. about where I perform the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I know that I'm the only person who's meant to embody it. So, um, you can find me at www.macambe.com or arting with Macambe on Instagram, and I'll always hype up and keep. Love it. folks posted on what's going on um but my intention is to tour this show um wherever it asks me yes. to take it so yes. and and whenever timing is incredibly important to me mm-hmm. so um yeah i I, I can't wait to to share this with specifically the show is for black folks to come together have a safe space to mourn and process and come as we are and not have to explain mm. so mm. when those when those spaces uh, present themselves to me i i pursue them so Beautiful. i'd say to everybody be on the lookout yes yes mm-hmm. i love it that is so beautiful Oh, God, Makambe, you are a shining star in our lives, I tell you. It's amazing. Seriously. Um, I really want to quickly touch on, if I could call it maybe like your breakthrough, you know, play, um, a Chitenje story. Yes. So this you wrote, well, tell people again a, a little, you know, synopsis of what it's about. Sure. Um, so a Chitenge story is the story of a Canadian college student who journeys deep into the sounds and smells and spirits of Zambia. Mm. So she's surrounded by her extended family, but she's steeped in the single secret, which is that she has returned to her ancestral home with a singular mission to identify the man who abused her as a child and to take justice into her own hands. Mm. So it's my own 
autobiographical account mm. of releasing sexual trauma, mm. embracing heritage, and and uncovering my ultimate healing. Mm. Mm. It's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. And I'm going to again ask you more or less the same question, if you don't mind, but the process of writing that, was is, was that any different from our father-son's lovers and little brothers or um did it require obviously different parts of you or where were you Mm. at in your head again when you kind of steep yourself into this specific play yeah um thank you for this question Mm. a chitenge story came yeah that's my that's my first baby Mm -hmm. and it's funny when i speak of these two solo shows um uh, a Chitenge story is mine and it feels like mine, but our father's doesn't feel like mine. I, I feel like I didn't write our father's. I channeled it. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, and so I, I feel like it belongs to our community and it is the story of our community. So the, the sense of ownership I have over the two um, pieces, even though I technically created both of them, is, is different. And I think that's... That's beautiful. Yeah, that's interesting. That's beautiful. Um, so Chitenge story took me about six years to write and I started writing it um, at the University of Lethbridge with my friend Catherine Smith mm. who's just she's just oh, my I went to high type school with her people. she's just you, my Elena you went to high school with her I went to high school with her yeah yes, wow. what a small world mm-hmm. beautiful she's just, a, she's just a special soul who mm-hmm who just witnessed me in the room. Mm. So I said to Catherine, I kind of have this idea um, or I kind of want to put, you know, certain aspects of my life into a play. So what we would do as drama students at the U of L is like, we would just steal spaces. Like you're supposed to like book a space. Like you have to like, there was like, you'd go on the website and you'd like book from this time. We would just like be like, anyone here? Cool. No, mm. okay, let's go. <laughs> um, so we would steal space and put on music because that's such a huge part of my my practice and Mm. sometimes I would improv sometimes I would do movement or dance pieces and Catherine would simply witness um and so we sort of together started creating a world um and yeah it it became wow I I this is so funny I didn't remember this until this moment oh when I started working on Chitenge's story it was actually largely about Billie Holiday. Oh, wow. (laughs) Because I had read about Billie Holiday and I was like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. You know when you just, you're late to a party? Mm. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, you guys, have you heard of Billie Holiday? (laughs) You just go go down these rabbit holes of their art or, or, yeah. Yeah, and I felt, I felt, I felt, I saw myself in her story. I saw myself in some of her pain and I had, um, there was specifically some sexual trauma that she had experienced. And I just, I just glommed onto her. And so I I understand now that she just was there to sort of coax me into telling my own story because I was shy. But in the beginning, it was supposed to be like half Billie Holiday, half Makambe. And it was supposed to be like, these are the ways in which these two women are kind of the same and it was kind of like because she's a performer and I'm a performer Mm. get it (laughs) and it had a lot more to do with like a performance identity and I don't know where it was going and it didn't go further because it was only meant to make me comfortable Mm. to let me tell you what mentorship looks like from the other side hit it right like so so imagine the spirit of Billie Holiday was just like ah sure 
sure i'll like he- here's an offering of some stuff that happened in my life mm. why don't we uh why don't you uh why don't you uh why don't you just tell t- tell both our stories and i'm like <laughs> okay I'll do, it. I'll do it and then i do it and then afterwards <laughs> billy holiday's spirit is just like i'm just not gonna be in this show at all and i'm like okay i guess it's just me <laughs> <laughs> Or at least that's how I like to think oh, of it. Amazing. So, mm-hmm. so the process, Catherine and I, um, we worked on it and then didn't, and then did, and then didn't. So we, um, in I think 2015, huh? We are we're aging out here. Um, <laughs> I, I just I felt strongly that I wanted to bring the story to life, and I wanted to. I was an unproduced playwright at the time, so I approached. Um, um, an indie theater company in Calgary called Handsome Alice. And I pitched it to the artistic director, um, even though I didn't know how to pitch things. But I was just like, mm-hmm. I just think this would be a really good fit for your company. And she was like, yeah. And so having that support, um, as well as previous opportunities that I had created myself, like I paid for, I paid for a theater out of my own, like, pocket ones like working as a barista and um you know took donations and then Catherine and I split it Catherine is also so Catherine's not just my director and dramaturg but Catherine's also trained as a as a designer so Catherine did like the lights and the set and I kind of did the costumes and we sort of just figured it out so in in our early days before we had like full big you know big girl money to really do it and pay ourselves properly we just hustled and made it work and I, I just, I just, the more that I worked on the show, the more I realized that I wasn't unique by any means. I, oh. I am running, I like, like thinking I was carrying this, this horrible sexual trauma of something mm. that happened to me when I was so little, mm. not mm. even touching on things that would happen to me later, mm. right? As an adult, but like just this thing of like, I was five mm. and feeling like I was carrying so much shame, feeling like I would be making people so uncomfortable when I said it. Mm. But what I realized is when I started to say it, so many people said, yeah, that was me too. So Oof. I, um, I actually saw Chichenga's story twice. I think the first time I saw it was in 2015 or 16. And then I saw it again last year at Mount Royal. I think it was last year. Thanks for coming. Yeah. No, I listen, I fucking loved the way I cried because I was like, I felt that where I was like, this is like, who, who let her into my brain? (laughs) Who allowed her to tell the story of like, why, why? Why is she right. calling me out? Like, like I'm just, I, I'm triggered. Oh, but like, it was really like, and I wanted to ask, like when you perform these like solo shows, especially that one that's like so closely based on like your own experience, is it like, what is the feeling that you kind of carry in yourself like before performing and then Ooh, after? It's a good question. Like, is it like more of a cathartic feeling or is it like... Because, like, I, mm. I know, like, just with my feelings while watching it, I remember. And even the second time, like, knowing knowing the whole story, I still was just, like, bawling my eyes out. But, um, like, I, I kind of went through, like, a whole range of emotions. But I couldn't imagine, like, actually performing that multiple times and how that kind of would affect your processing mm. of that whole situation. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, first of all, 
I love you and I see you and thank you for being present <laughs> at that offering Absolutely. more than once. I, I really appreciate that Absolutely. because because like that play, oh, I, I made that play for African women mm. first. I know that so many other people have seen themselves within it and I'm, and I'm grateful, but like something that's really important to me for everything I write is who is this play for? Mm-hmm going to theater school in Lethbridge where the audiences were so white, they were white. (laughs) I I realized that there was a part of my brain that thought that that's what theater audiences were. So I would Mm -hmm. always, in my early writing, I would always explain everything. Yeah. I would always, you know, qualify or like, I was never catering to the people who are my people in my Mm. early work. So um, it really means a lot to me um, that you were engaged. So thank you. No problem. Um, I just have to say before you continue, um, the way me and my sister cackled, you're like, hey, I'm Zungu girl. Like, oh, <laughs> what? I'm like, the way my cousins be clowning us like this. <laughs> I know. Like, I, I can't know. count the amount of times that I have been called that. And I'm like, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Muzungu means white person in a lot of mm. Bantu languages. Oh. Um, for those, for those, for those of you Muzungus who are, <laughs> 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 we love you, but we want you to know we have a word for yeah. you. We do, uh, just like in you our have part a of word the world. Exactly, <laughs> and we're if... spilling our secrets now. <laughs> I know. And just to be clear, it's it's not a slur, but no, it does mean white. And when you are a black person, um traveling to Zambia like like I just I live this experience where like in Canada when I'm especially in these super white spaces everyone's like black macambe black macambe <laughs> and then I go to Zambia and then people are like you're so white and I'm like mm. what <laughs> mm-hmm. so <laughs> it's 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 hilarious but also like stings to be like called oh, yeah sti- like it's like Oof. feeling it, feel, it makes me feel like I just don't belong Oof. anywhere, anywhere. Um, I sh- I'm like I should just like hey we should just like move to the Atlantic Ocean. Just find a happy medium yeah. in the middle. <laughs> build an underground bunker and just call it a day because oh. I'm like, who will claim me? Seriously. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, um, so my, my process of writing Chitenge's story and, inter- and was well, took six years because I always wanted to be extremely gentle with the sensitive subject matter. Mm. Mm-hmm. And for me, setting an intention for every single thing I do is really important. But specifically for my work, it's that like I wanted to release, I wanted to give African women, um, first and foremost, an opportunity to release shame. And so mm-hmm. I had to own it and be okay with owning it and be okay with owning the ugly parts of and the painful parts of that healing process. Mm-hmm. So knowing that I was um, offering my story in service of that allowed me to stay super centered and if anything ever felt like it was going south or going wonky I could ask myself Makambe what are you doing this for I'm doing this for the me and the audience <laughs> the person mm-hmm. who is like me the person who has never told anyone that this has happened to mm. her the person you know the person who um, maybe has has shared this truth but is carrying shame mm. the person who the, the person and the people who think that they are alone in having mm-hmm. experienced and survived. I'm doing this in honor of um, the fact that, yeah, 
um, okay, so a practice that I have with the Chitenge story is now is that every single performance I have a talk back, um, mm-hmm. which is not what I do for our fathers because it's a different need. But what is important in a Chitenge story is I, I want the audience to see me tell the story, live the story as the character's name is Makambe. Like it's my story. And then I want them to see me as okay afterwards. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. So within when I produce and and share this story, I always have to sometimes like the talk back or the post show chat is not actually for people to ask me questions, but it's actually because sometimes like because I know that I'm triggering all my sisters. So sometimes I just need them to see me and see that I'm okay, And maybe that means that, you know, there is a level to which they can find the parts of their own experience that may be okay. I I'm not here to say what healing is looks like Mm. but just to Mm -hmm. offer my myself and my story as a touch point and a context of like I survived this and I'm brilliant for it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm here and I'm and I'm still like I'm still it's it's okay that it still makes me upset yes like I cry Mm -hmm. every single time that I do that show but Mm -hmm. I'm still me and that doesn't make me less of who I am um Another thing that was really important and a piece of advice that I would offer to anyone making a play about their own life is that the, my offer is that the time that you're on stage is actually not the time to process the thing. That is how you protect yourself. So if, uh, and it doesn't mean that you can't be human, like (laughs) that you can't have bad days, but the the bulk of the work of knowing my worth and being ready to stand up and say that um, I was not looking for validation from my audience. Mm. That is not what we were doing here sometimes. And it's just something that I've seen in theater school and I'm sure it's something that I've done, but it's just like you, you reveal this trauma that's still super raw and that you're still, that can still take over you when mm-hmm. you speak it because you're still working your way through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, a totally valid part of healing, but that is not for me. Mm-hmm. That's not when you make a play about the thing. That's not when you produce it. That's not when you put it out there for other people to see and scrutinize and write reviews upon. Yeah. So I protected mm-hmm. myself by making sure that I was ready and only any individual would know when that is. So there's some stuff happening right now. There'll be some tea in my place in like <laughs> six years when I have processed but now like yeah per- performing is different than processing yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's- and so yeah. yeah it's been good for me to like to like just sort of be able to draw that separation and that's where my training comes in as well yeah Mm. Um, and the last thing is uh, because everything with me is super spiritual um Elena, I think you'll remember in the play, a huge part of the, the story and the healing journey um, is my cuckoo, my, my grandmother. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I actually just, I don't know how else to articulate it than channel her. Like I call her in. Mm-hmm. And like, so when I deliver that first monologue where basically cuckoo opens up, I call her character Makambe also just for the sake of like being clear about my psychology so that I go, okay, I'm creating a play. I'm taking aspects of my life and making them into a piece of work. So Catherine and I would have the, the language of like character Makambe can have this conflict or character Makambe is really, really, you know, 
mad or snippy about this thing so that I would have space Mm -hmm. to explore that knowing that it was representing me but giving myself just the constant reminder that I was not reliving but I was Mm. finding an artistic interpretation of my own experience and then using my training right how to tell a story how to embody a character how to make your characters authentic how to do a dialect how to change my body all of that stuff to Mm -hmm. manifest that intention of sharing a story so that the African girls in the audience would see themselves so calling Mm -hmm. my cuckoo in her energy is just so it's no bullshit, but it's also so encompassing and loving and mm-hmm. mischievous. And also what I realized in working on this play is that I'm not the only woman in my family who has survived this. Mm. So mm. I could actually call in on her. Mm. And within the play, Kuku calls on all of the spirits of the ancestors to incite character Makambe's healing um, in a, and the climax of the play. So I don't feel like I'm actually processing anymore as much as mm-hmm. I'm now telling my story. That's beautiful. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, um, when you had it up in Calgary, I believe I was in Vancouver at the time. So I'd missed it, but my mom saw it and oh. she called me after and was just like, oh, I was amazing and this and that. And <laughs> just hearing that level of appreciation, you know, from generations of people, because I talked to Lena about oh, wow. it too, like generations of people that that um, loved it, respected it, um, mm-hmm. kind of were, I guess, reacted to it. I just think you're on to you you did something incredibly special and incredibly important yeah that's like um i appreciate that yeah that's huge so i you know thank Mm -hmm. you for for um you know putting putting art out there is so incredibly vulnerable putting content out there Mm -hmm. is vulnerable and makambe you do it with so much um grace and with so much intent and i cannot wait to see um where you continue to go because um yeah you're you're baby you a star (laughs) (laughs) oh thank you for the love and just like i want to love too on your mom for a moment ali Mm. Uh, Mary is just like an incredible force and she's just like unapologetically Mm -hmm. herself and (laughs) the role yeah people wonder where i get it from oh my gosh (laughs) she is is yeah it, it's just it meant a lot to me during my time in Lethbridge to have an auntie mm. um mm. like her like 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 that means a lot mm. and when I was initially um doing I initially did like uh I was doing like workshop presentations of it mm-hmm. and there was one in, the first one in Calgary that I think Lena you saw um mm. I had invited her to it mm-hmm. And she couldn't make it. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, do one in Lethbridge. And I was like, what? I was like, Auntie. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Auntie, it doesn't just that's not how that work like that. That's like, not how that works. It's just a lot of like planning. And she's like, no, do it. she's like, no, you should do it in Lethbridge. People, I'll, she's like, I'll bring people. She's like, I'll bring Auntie Gina. Well, you should do it. You should do it in Lethbridge. I was like, and I was like, yes, ma'am. And then lo and behold, <laughs> I got an opportunity from my university to come and do a workshop presentation and you better believe she showed up. (laughs) She drove from wherever outside of Lethbridge she was working that day and she came on time and she sat and I remember she sat in the back and then she like couldn't see well enough and she just stood the whole performance. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That woman has 
<laughs> she has such a special place in my heart but to know that i was received Ugh. by by her as as an african auntie and specifically mm. like let's talk about african dynamics for a second Oof. like people who are not west african sometimes in africa in spaces that are supposed to be for africans can sometimes be swallowed by hey, the wow. strong nigerian Speak on it. influences it. right and like i love our cousins but like the mm. you, Niger folks, there's a lot of you. You are a lot. So many everywhere. A, and so for the lone Zambian, do you know what I mean? Like I like I don't I, I don't have twenty people from my country mm-hmm. living right. within walking distance right. of me. And yeah. and so yeah. and so for me culturally also, in terms of like the, the group of like Bantu languages, so like southern central sort of Africa, mm-hmm. right? Um that there is like some that that's really significant to me yeah. culturally as well. So just mm-hmm. to have you know my Malawian auntie, mm. you know Zambian Malawi are like mm. <laughs> hop skip and a jump, right? throw a stone that mm. side. You're like it's Malawi, <laughs> like you know sharing sharing that 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 border. Like it's it's so important because even just the language and the and the like that is for. Oh, it, it just means so much to me oh, that she engaged with, with the piece. <laughs> oh, no, really. I, I would I can't imagine anybody not engaging with it, truthfully. But I'm going to let her know you said all that. I mean, maybe for the end of this episode, <laughs> she, <I'm, laughs> she, she told me, um, what did she say? She was listening to one of the episodes and she goes, it's just too long. Sorry, she listens to the episode? She goes, it's too long. I can't. <laughs> Okay. Oh, because I was saying minutes. bad words. <laughs> you mean, literally, I'm like, I was out here thinking none of our right? parents are going to listen to this. Your mom can no longer talk to my mom if she has listened to these because I, know, I have said I know. some things. I it's you. over. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. But Makambe, thank you so much for joining us um, with this conversation. It, it means the world. And I'm just I'm so excited for people to hear just what you have to say. Um, I hope and I pray that you'll never stop creating. Obviously, you have a purpose mm-hmm. on this earth and you are fulfilling that purpose. And I'm so proud to know you. Um, and Thank you, friend. Uh, you know, and this it just goes to show when you give Black people the space to be excellent, look what we can do. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm honored to to share space with you both today and to everybody tuning in because I know you got yourself a growing following <laughs> like whatever out wow. here. Also being excellent. You in can your thank own Lena for right. that. Wow. Ever since she came along, don't everybody's been all engaged. <laughs> don't gas me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> No, Thank for real. For the opportunity to 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 mm-hmm. just um to come here as myself and to yeah. to share my work and what what is on my soul and like I hope that um I hope that I okay I am working on creating a world in which Black artists have space and time and money and just like the support of the communities mm. to tell the stories. Mm. The reality is about black performers is that we've actually always been running it. Oh. Um, Say it again. Think of where hip hop comes Thank from. You. Think about jazz, even in these jazz studios right now that are super white yep. and they're like, mm. like we rock and roll doing country. It. Mm-hmm. Like we like take black people out of like what you just lose everything. There is nothing like, left. There's no there's music. There's no spices. Like we, 
we... everything's very bland absolutely <laughs> and so um i'm what i'm excited about this chapter is that like that like we as black folks can come together and just recognize that yeah, and yeah. demand what it is that we need and walk away from what it is that we don't yes. we have enough community and resources and actually buying power right now mm-hmm. yes. that we mm-hmm. we actually don't need the white folks who don't want to come through we actually don't need that yeah so yeah so yes to the revolution and yes to a chapter where where black folks have the space and freedom to create and play and laugh and grow through art and that anybody who wants to ride the wave can come through yeah. everybody is welcome but like yes like yes for us yes for us mm-hmm. yes for us uh Macombe, can i will you promise to be back Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> it would be it would be my pleasure. I feel like there's still there's so many things. So many could, things mm-hmm. we could we, talk about. I know we haven't even touched on certain things, and I just I would love I just, to revisit yes. with you both. Oh gosh, yeah. I just know there's no way that we could have done this in in obviously one episode, but I just yeah. I, yeah I know we'll have you back because. Um, there's still so much more to process and unpack. And um, thank you so much once again for being here. You are amazing. Mm, my pleasure. <sighs> and until the next time, y'all, Lena Makambe, I love y'all deep. I love y'all wide. <laughs> <laughs> I love y'all strong. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, I love it. And until the next time, y'all, Thank you so much for listening to everybody out there. And we are going to talk very soon. Peace out, y'all. Later. Thank you so much, Makambe, for joining us for that conversation. You are certainly a force to be recognized. So thank you so much for tapping into those parts of yourself that gave us that honest and raw and vulnerable talk. So thank you so much. And I cannot wait to have you back. Uh, You could find this podcast via email at ollieandallpod at gmail.com, via Twitter at at ollieandallpod. And as I said, thank y'all so much to everybody that continues to rate, review, subscribe, share, post, everything in between. Um, It's truly the way that people can find the show and um, become a part of the conversation and and hear our voices. So thank you very, very, very much from the bottom of my heart. It does not get lost on me. It does not get lost on me. So thank you. Um, Until the next time, thank you for listening and God bless.